Hi, friend. Well, you are in for a treat this week as we take a transatlantic trip to England with my guest, friend, road sister, fellow fairy, and overall lovely person, Day. I'm dropping a chat room bonus episode this week as well that will give you some context for the community that we and the next four guests chat about being connected with the Radical Fairies. Head over there for the story of my experience with the Radical Fairies before you dive into these next four episodes, or stop during, or whenever. Choose your own adventure. Remember those books? Do writers still publish those books? Day and I met in Los Angeles fall 2017. They posted on the local Los Angeles Radical Fairy Facebook group that they were looking to connect with some other fairies in the area while traveling. Fortunately, a bunch of us had a weekly gathering in Echo Park called Wednesday Friends Day, and I responded that they should come meet up. It wasn't too long before I was incredibly enamored with this ethereal creature with long, sandy hair pulled through a sensible single braid, which they adorned with fresh flowers. At this point, Ellie and me were on a sort of nervous system roller coaster ride, the ups and downs that in the time before seemed more stretched into longer road trips of experience were now short, high-intensity trips, my feet no longer feeling on the ground but brushing above as I moved about the earth in reactivity to whatever was bubbling inside. 24 hours after spending time in the park with Day that first time we met, I asked, would they join me on a road trip up the Pacific coast to Portland? Well, they said yes. One of the most beautiful places I've seen was where we stopped and backpacked overnight in Shasta National Forest, my dog Najdia in tow. I will never forget this trip because it combined three of my favorite things, my dog, nature, and day. Here is my conversation with poet, performer, artist, organizer, and friend, Day. And to you, listener friends, just a note that this conversation contains mention of rape. <gasps> oh, hello. Hi. Hi, babe. You okay? Yeah. <clears throat> How's you? You look lovely, by the way. Thanks, you yourself. do too. Thank you. I look all right. I've just come back from a jog. <clears throat> and um, it was my first five kilometer jog under 25 minutes. Ooh. I was like, I need to do something productive today because I've Ooh. hit a slouch moment and I feel uh, gucky. So <clears throat> nothing that I do is making me feel active or <clears throat> um, yeah, productive. So I just thought I would destroy my body. And see if that makes a difference. Okay. Um, yeah, so my friend in London um has a a fashion fashion brand. That's how that's their gig. That's how they make the money. Uh-huh. And OnlyFans. Um, oh, so your friend your friend made that. Yeah. That top. I want a top like that. You could probably just yeah, yeah, but like, do they, 
do they sell online? Do they have a virtual shop? Yep. It's called Returning Queen. Um, well, there's the little plug. <laughs> yeah, Returning Queen, which is an which is a silly homage, I think, to RuPaul. But um Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Returning Queen is. Um, but yeah, so that's that. I love um, it. But uh, all of the stuff is really kiddy and playful because you know how lots of high fashion is very kind of like exquisite tailoring and sharp edges and lines, uh-huh. whereas this kind of he's not very good at that. So he's just leaned completely the opposite direction and being like right. using really thick yarn to um I mean I've to- seen I've seen a lot of high fashion though. I don't know if you'd consider it high fashion. I don't even really know what that means, but a lot of like avant-garde designs in the realm of what you're wearing that like yeah, runway shows and yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna record this now. Right. Sorry, I've not been recording it the whole time. Um where the fuck are you? Oh, turn the metronome off. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> okay. This is just gonna should we speak good. should we speak to the rhythm to the, the beat of the metronome the entire time? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing great? I, Thank uh, you, Queen. <laughs> okay, I'm all good now. I've got I've got the lights that I need. You're not even this isn't even gonna be videoed anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. No, um, no, it's it's audio. I just want to look gorgeous for you, so there we go. <clears throat> do you oh, like my no, you like my face forest? I do, you know. I think it really suits you. You know how it adds like an extra inch to the to the to the to the to the chin. It gives you an you know an elongated face. Oh. In a good way. You don't look happy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to process whether I whether a long a elongated face was a desirable thing. <laughs> no, it is. It is on you. You look good. Well, thank you. How are you? Um, past few days I've been grumpy and I've not been able to shake. This, um, uh-huh. I think anger. I don't know. I think anger is what I'm feeling. Um, or have been feeling the last few days. Uh-huh. Um, I think you know, just because everything's really slow and lots of stuff that was, you know passively repressed now as an opportunity to kind of you know raise its hand um do you mean in, in relationship to the pandemic and being quarantined and having to stay in and and reflect yeah, think, and reflect a lot by yourself <laughs> too much reflection like it's too much alone time like i'm not actually alone i live with seven people oh wow um, it's gorgeous you know it's really really nice um it's a proper little commune you know we have little family fights and you know you know there's little squabbles over the dishes but then we have really 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 nice parties so like we'll we'll say okay we're gonna have a french you know celebration and we'll have you know baguettes and we'll make loads Mm -hmm. of really ridiculous french food and we'll do um like we'll do movie nights i mean it sounds quite basic but for me it, it to consider what it would be like not to live with other people. Yeah, it sounds lovely to me. Um, I would love the option to be able to do that maybe one or two days during the week and then retreat to living alone for the rest of the week. 
well i've got that like look at the fucking size yeah. of my room i've seen photos that you've posted of that room and those huge that huge window with all of those window panes it's just gorgeous it's that room crazy. is the size of an apartment babe 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 <laughs> where is this like an is this like a a pre-war um like row type of house it's Georgian, so it's I don't know when the Georgian when the Georgian what when when the Georgian. <laughs> don't went. ask me. I think actually, you know what? I think the Georgian, you know, um, King George, the you know the one that um, everyone says went a bit nuts. Was he? Was that was that Elizabeth's father, or was that one before? No, it was much before that. I think now oh. I think I know what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh! I should just stop talking about <laughs> royal history. I don't know. <laughs> No, it's actually, I've actually got a book over there um, all about it. But King George, I think, was the one who was around in the late 1800s or the early 1800s, late 1700s. And he was what? And have you seen Bridgerton? Have, oh, only part of one episode. It's not good, but it's, no. it, it's, it's the, the queen that's in that is the wife of George. Okay. Anyway, it's a Georgian house and it's massive and it's five stories. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. you'd, you'd love it. You would love it. You'd love how massive and ridiculous it is. Right. I'm trying to visit the summer. I, it's still on. I'm still pushing for it. And I'm hoping that maybe um, we'll all be vaccinated by then, by like summer. <laughs> Apparently the UK is going to be all vaccinated, hopefully Great. by by May. Oh, good. I was pl- I was trying to. I'm trying to come in June or July. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll still be here, so you can right. come and stay. Do you? Um. I know you told me that you just did. You just start up running again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I did. <clears throat> I started running in November. And it was awful because I used to run in New Zealand and I really fucked my knee up and I, and it scared me off. I used to run every day in New Zealand, just went, you know, really basic, nothing crazy, just Mm -hmm. five kilometers every day. And I was happy doing that, but I was training for a half marathon and I did a little 5k jog three days before the marathon that I fucking paid for. And then, um, my knee Apparently my, it's, it's boring, but my, one of my quads is bigger than the other. And the quad that was smaller meant that the bigger one had to overcompensate and the knee kind of, it bent inwards and fucked my knee up. And I was really stupidly stubborn about it. I was like, I will not. And I carried on running, even though it fucking was killing me. Trying to power through it. Well, well, I don't know what it was. I think it was, I don't know, some kind of self ridiculous deprecating thing. But um, but it really scared me off running until until this November when I um, I was sick of being um, unhealthy, mm-hmm. and I started drinking. I've started drinking. Mm-hmm. So wait, remember I didn't drink with you, did I? Mm-hmm. Um, I drank enough oh, for the both I- of us. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a fat lie. I remember getting absolutely plastered in one of your friend's houses and scoffing their uh, their birthday cake. And then, I... uh, do you remember? It was your really nice friend. Oh, you... 
oh, Danimal. And it was, they had a balcony and you had to walk up the steps and probably were a lot of people there. No, that was the pool party. <sighs> that was the, no, that was the they didn't have a pool. Party. Oh, I don't remember. So it's the person who hosted the Hiking Vikings. Oh, they, yeah. Remember. Yeah. It was Chris, Chris, we just had a conversation the other day. Oh, really? In this configuration, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, I love how, like, worlds collide. <laughs> I loved him. I loved yeah. the little made blanket that he had. Do you, so now that you started running again, is that, is that helping to kind of like move that, move that anger energy around? Um, I don't know what it's doing, to be honest. It's, it's, um, I've lost weight, which is whatever. And I, um, I don't know. I feel more, um, I definitely feel more capable, like physically capable. And, um, I think that very basic, my, my root chakra is um is is fully motivated what is that fully being fisted was it like a fist bump it's right i could take it (laughs) when i'm running i could take a fist i swear to god i've got i've got it in me i've got it i could do anything when i'm running because your adrenaline is is yeah superhuman and it's relying on the very basic you know Mm. like um physical biological you know yeah. Strength, capability or whatever. So when I've got that sorted, then everything else that I'm thinking about that usually might send me into a spiral doesn't because I'm in a, I've got all those, you know, I've got oxytocin running about and yeah. whatever. I don't even know what oxytocin is, you know, but it's one of those, <laughs> one of those things that people just talk about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you exercise or do anything I, to get I, me I do. I, I do. Um, I know that, and it's it's pretty routine for me that I go usually every morning before I start my day because I know if I if I wait it, I'd be less likely to go later on after I've already been doing things. So I tend to go right when they open at six o'clock in the morning. Gym, yeah. Oh, um, is the gym still open? Oh, baby. Yeah, we our gyms are open at least here. Oh, well, some of uh, my gym is open. I shouldn't say all of them are open, but we. They're being cautious there. That's not to say it's, you know, it's foolproof, but, um, you know, mask wearing. And my gym is, I believe it's the biggest rock climbing gym in the States. So it's quite roomy in there. So I don't feel as if I am, it's, it's easy to social distance in there. I don't feel as if we're sort of like breathing on top of each other. So that makes me feel a little bit better about participating and going to the gym. How are your forearms when you climb? My forearms turn into fucking cement. I oh mean, my god! I don't know. I guess they're yeah. I well, here's the thing: is when I just I stopped um, climbing for quite some time, for probably about five years, and then I started up again almost a year a year ago. And when I started up again, my forearms, my grip, fingers. Everything was just fucking killing me for probably about a good two months, maybe even three months before I got back into the swing of things because I need to get retrained and and stronger. But yeah, it was pain. It was painful, and I and the like just bloody palms. Like everything was getting ripped open every day. I'm like, oh, I need calluses again. Yeah. 
I wrote a really nice poem actually about rock climbing. The longest poem I've ever fucking written was about rock. I think it was four pages, and it was um it was an activity that me and a guy that I used to see, um lovely lovely Welsh boy, we used to go climbing, um as a way to kind of you know bond or whatever, um, and I just remember being fascinated by how it like how the human body adapts to 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 suit that and what a fucking weird place a bouldering hall is um this alien and all of the little all of the little chunks of things on the wall uh-huh. the holes they look like you know when you spit tissue through a through a straw <laughs> it looks like that or it looks like you know um yeah. those american cereal bars um yeah. american cereal bars the american um lucky charms you know the color the colorful oh yeah totally i know exactly what you're talking about with the marsh with the marshmallow charms that's what it looks like yeah, yeah. i used to when i lived like, um <laughs> when i lived in new york that was um one of the ice creams that i i, I worked in the little cupcake bakery in little italy and they used to make their own ice cream. And one of the ice creams was the Lucky Charms. Right. That sounds fucking delicious. Um, that has been a pandemic thing of mine is almost probably, well, I've gone through periods where I've eaten a pint of ice cream, but, you know, vegan ice cream, so like nut, nut or plant-based ice cream almost every fucking night. And I was getting to the point where like, okay, I think maybe I should do this at least like every other night because I felt like I'm like, I'm starting to get a little puffy. Babe, to begin with, <laughs> it's just like, do whatever you want, eat whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, I know. <laughs> do what you want, do what you want. I mean, I think everyone went through, everyone I ever kind of went, okay, I'm going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or I'm going to be the other way and i'm just gonna eat whatever the fuck i want yeah and i think i've i've i started off puffy and now i've decided i need to do more yeah loads of kale loads of kale i know it's boring i know it's boring you get a little bit of fry light bit of fry light bit of salt and pepper chuck it in the oven for five minutes and you've got some crisps stunning okay maybe i am not a big kale fan it's just like it's too bitter for me. Stick some honey on it. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I've never been a kale fan. I can't wrap my, I just can't put it in me. Cabbage? Savoy cabbage? No? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I eat cabbage in, in salads. I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, and somehow we get, I don't know, I, I somehow mentioned, oh, I was saying what my midday thing was. And somehow we get on the, we got on the subject. And I said I was watching, my midday thing is for lunch. I watch MSNBC, which is a news station here. And I eat a salad. But the salad that I eat is the, you know, the sort of, the set, this the bag of salad, like the sad bag of salad that you just cut open and all the things are in there. And they're like little plastic things. And you just combine everything together. But there's cabbage in that bag of that particular bag of salad that I buy. To be fair, it's all about the dressing. You gotta, you gotta sort that. Yeah, I need it. I need it. (laughs) What are you doing? Is it the balsamic? Have you got the balsamic? Have you got the lemon? Have you got the salt? What are you doing? Well, it's this. Well, it's the dressing that comes with the salad. Oh, what kind of dressing is it? It's like a. Well, the particular salad that I buy is called Asian style. 
Um, so it's a it's a ginger based dressing, and then like I really need the dressing, like I need it. So I I use the I empty the contents of the dressing packet into the salad, but then I also have a <laughs> so pull out the bottle, the additional bottle from the fridge, and give her another another <laughs> tablespoon because it's got to be the right amount. <laughs> I'm not eating a boring salad. It's not happening. It's just not yeah. going to happen. No, you need, I need balsamic vinegar. I need olive oil. That's basic as well. Like you don't need more than that. No, I, I guess by the time I'm, I'm finished putting all of that salad dressing on there, I might as well just eat a pint of ice cream. It probably has the same amount of sugar. <laughs> calories. I, once ate, um, I once used ice cream with, um, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a private moment. <laughs> with, with have you on a that? salad? No, I'm talking about on a body. <laughs> on a what? On a body. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say I use ice cream with salad dressing, and I'm like, that's a choice. <laughs> it's a dumb choice. Yeah, no, no. I once so, but I thought about how perfectly the ass cheeks were as like a little bowl. Oh yeah, yeah. Love bowl. You just get a nice little scoop. But I was not specific about the ice cream choice. So he came back with honeycomb. And I was like, oh, oh, honeycomb in his, in his crevasse. (laughs) Well, I just wasn't, I didn't fancy having like bits. Like, Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I wrote a poem about that as well. (laughs) And one of the, it was about how like, I couldn't just eat the ass without the ice cream. I had to insult it with sugar. Like, why did I have to garnish everything? And that was, I think that was the last, the last line. What what was wrong with just eating your ass? Or why wasn't it, you know, why did I have to insult you? Anyway, I think I was just being creative. Oh, stupid. (laughs) I don't know. Um, How did your, so I know you were facilitating, um, that like evening of poetry and performance at the Unity Theater, right? And then did it wound up going virtual? No, so it was through Homotopia, which you've worked with, haven't you? Yeah, Homotopia Festival. And then, but they, it was, but usually they perform at Unity, correct? Unity Theater is one of the theaters they perform at. There's the, um, there's the Everyman Theater. There's, um, there's a bunch of venues in Liverpool to be honest. Right. There was the, there was loads of stuff going on. Even with the quarantine and even with lockdown, you know, they were still doing stuff. And they um, had an was, audience in the no audience. Oh, okay. no. All live streamed, um, which was a fucking nightmare, to be honest. Because well, I just don't know. Like, I don't think that live stream is like you, you can't rely on it, the technology. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. Especially when you're managing multiple people on one platform like Zoom because inevitably someone's Wi-Fi is not going to be as good as the person's next to them. It was really annoying, the the showcase that we had. So it was a 12-week poetry course um, designed by me and my friend Brendan. <clears throat> and it was queering traditional poetics. Um, so we'd read a bunch of different poets with like each week would be a different theme. So one theme was queering language. The other theme was 
queering love. The other theme was queering the body. And we'd read different poems with those themes in mind and look at it through a queer perspective and a queer lens. Um, and then after doing that, we'd then I'd set workshop writing exercises based on based on that. Um, so we did that for 12 weeks and we had a residency in between that for three or four days, <clears throat> which was all fine to go ahead because it was mm-hmm. it came under um like well-being right how did you yeah. find the people to be in the like 12 week just posted about it on um on, on instagram right. and okay. facebook I so think. it was open to anyone who wanted to kind of reach out and there was a process of elimination as well like we okay. we had we had like 30 applicants and we we accepted 15 because it was my first time in a position where I was like responsible for other people. And I didn't, I didn't, I really did. I wanted to give the individual attention to each person. I don't think I could have done that with more right. than 15. How did you, um, like what criteria did you use to select people that moved through? Wanted them to be um, invested and committed to communal writing like community you know you know writing together and creating something that was collaborative um not just kind of coming up like they had to dedicate themselves to the 12 weeks and it was two hours or three hours on a thursday um we'd have one-to-one sessions as well so it was sometimes it was oh also one of it was it one of the things that was really important to us was that uh, they were um participants from the northwest which is like liverpool manchester um St Helens Blackpool because the northwest is the poorest area in England mm-hmm. um statistically anyway and loads and loads and loads of the money from the arts council goes towards London um and we just thought well right specific queer yeah. you know a, a, a collective of queer writers from the northwest feels like if you were to if you were to Google search that you wouldn't find it. So uh-huh. I was like, well, we may as well create it. Um, and then the showcase was to showcase the work that had been done over the course of the project. And it was um all live streamed. It was we had six people in person in the venue, um, and me and my friend Brendan were hosting, and it just went all tits up. The alarm, the alarm fire alarm in the warehouse that we were recording in decided to go off for 45 minutes the audio didn't send through it was it was a it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shit show right yeah so live stream never again (laughs) right so were the people that were involved where they have sort of um varying experience levels were some of them like quite new or some of them were experienced in performance and writing they all had some, actually, you know what? No, some of them actually didn't have any experience apart from some of the writing events that I'd put on um, in the past, like just kind of casual, like, because mm-hmm. I've been running the workshops for a few years, um, but just like in my bedroom and just like in each other's bedrooms around the city. But this was the first year that I took it quite seriously. So yeah, there was varying degrees. There were some people that are, so some people have been writing for years and years and years. Um, and there was some that already had published work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the nicest thing was the variety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't looking for people who write p- 
page poetry alone and you know people who write spoken word poetry alone it was the combination to be honest it wasn't even about the quality of the work that much it was more about having just a group um the, mm-hmm. the nourishment of the group and the the battery power of that Man. and the share, the shared experience of writing together it was really it was honestly i'm prouder of that than i am of oh, anything yeah did you get feedback from the people that were involved like what mm-hmm. were they they did they um what were their thoughts about being a part of it and their process yeah we asked what well i wanted to ask so we we gave them, we wrote a form of questions um just asking them what they would have done differently what they enjoyed what they would want from future events um so we're applying for funding now using those feedback forms um we're applying for funding to keep it going um and to do two this year one with a focus on queer ecology it will be called um i think it'll be called queer planet and it'll be with a focus on climate change and the environment and you know queering how how can how can you queer that how how is nature queer um and then the other one will be queer icons which i'm i'm excited about because it's going to be i'm going to pick 12 queer poets and we're just going to thoroughly rinse mm-hmm. and analyze them and it'll be really really fun i'm just super like when it comes to poetry i'm such a fat nerd like and i mm-hmm. i love i love to be you know thorough and you finished your you finished your masters yeah 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 congratulations that's so cool thanks babe yeah i'm um i'm gonna do my phd as well oh my gosh you're so fancy (laughs) if i wasn't insufferable if if i wasn't insufferable before being dr matar oh my gosh yes outrageous it's gonna be outrageous (laughs) it's so funny that we have like um, you know, I live in the States, so it's not like I live in the UK, but yet we have this connection because I've I've performed for Homotopia Festival mm-hmm. in Unity that Theater. Good. And then you're like also working with Homotopia Festival because you live in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But we never we didn't come into contact with each other at that point. We met in California, we met in LA. That's one of my favorite memories is climbing that fucking mountain. (laughs) Wait, what was? So we, wait, how did you posted something on Facebook in the, what was it? The Radical Fairies group. Was that how we came into contact? And then I said, come to the park because we meet there weekly. It was Um, Echo Echo Park. Echo Park because we meet there every Wednesday. And then you came... And then, like, what? Like, two days later, I was like, oh, do you want to go to a road trip with me up the Pacific Northwest? It was amazing. I was so <laughs> lucky, so lucky that you took, you know, took an interest and wanted to look after me for oh, the few weeks that I was of, there. Of course. It was gorgeous. I had the, I had the time that I had in, in LA because of, because of the things that you, and the people that you introduced me to, so... I mean, we really kind of were thrust into each other's world in, in a very short amount of time. Like, if there's one way you can get to know each other, it's by getting in a car together and taking a road trip for like a week. Yeah, it was so condensed. We just didn't fuck about. We, I, I, at one point, I was like, 
I must be getting on on their nerves. Like I must be getting on their nerves because we were in that car for eight hours, like just driving. And then the next day, eight hours. Right. Because we drove from LA to Portland. Portland. Yeah. But on the, was it on the way? We, on the way we got we, to, that, by Mount Shasta, we climbed. Yeah. And we, we, yeah, we hiked and I, and then we camped. That, you know, that place was gorgeous. I still think about that. I I don't remember exactly what, what that, where we were. I do remember, didn't we go to Sequoia? Did we stop in Sequoia? I don't remember. But that place where we, where we backpacked um, and then spent the night where we camped was gorgeous. And I wish mm-hmm. I remembered exactly where that place was. But like right on the, right on a river, or it was lake. I think it was a lake. I, can't believe, I think you went for a swim as well in the morning. No, you jumped in. I didn't go in. I remember I you you jumped in and I was like, isn't that cold? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I'm just gonna get completely naked and jump into this lake. <laughs> oh my god, what a hippie. <laughs> What a hippie, what a dope. Honestly, I don't know. You gave us these edibles as well. Oh with- yeah. But I, my head just spins off when I have any weed, you know, or edible. I just can't do it. But I, and and you were talking to me about, oh yeah, we should put, we should put the the toothpaste in a bag and hide it up in a tree just in case the black. <laughs> I am obsessed. I'm telling you, I am obsessed with um, bears, and um, uh, <laughs> keeping bears away from my camping area. So like hanging hanging bags of anything in there a food toothpaste anything the bear might be attracted to from the highest bow i could possibly find as well where is your dog what's the dog's name again Naj Najdia. Najdia. she's good she's um you know, I was, well, she was barking. She was doing her low barking thing probably all night when we were camping. I'm finding it's more and more difficult to take her camping because if she hears any noise outside the tent, she just starts barking. And what it does is it freaks me out because then my irrational fears kick in. And then I'm like, what's well, out there? <laughs> but she did it. I did another backpacking thing with a friend of mine. This was like months ago. And we brought, her along with me and it got really really windy outside overnight and it sounded and i think there were also little little woodland creatures that were like running about outside and at one point like between the dog low level barking and it sounded like someone was actually walking around the tent and there was nobody else around us we were in the middle of nowhere and my that fear just kicked up in me and all night long I couldn't sleep because I was just like I was panicky <laughs> I would be as well nature's scary like when you're stuck out in it as well yeah I think that was one of the most beautiful but also one of the scariest times that I've that I, I mean and I've slept in I've slept in tents probably I, I think I, I've spent about a year sleeping in tents like mm-hmm. over the over the over the over the years that I've traveled and that was one of the scarier because I've never been threatened by a bear before and you will you never but there was one time in Australia where I came out of my tent and I forgot my headlight and I was like oh I should go back for the headlight because I wanted to go for a wake 
And I was like, okay, I'll go back and get my headlight and put my headlight on my head and then look to where I was going to pee on the floor. And this fucking python just slithers what? right past. A python? python? A python, bitch! A python! Pythons are huge, <laughs> aren't they? And he was like, you call that a snake? <laughs> well, but, wait a minute. Oh, because you were in New Zealand? In Australia. Oh, yeah. I have imagined that, yeah, things are out of control. Like, wild is out of control there. And they probably do have really huge, scary things like pythons that just happen to pull up and it, say, hey, bitch. <laughs> but the, the radical fairies over there, because um, I, I, I lived in fairyland for a little bit. That's the name of the sanctuary over there. Um, it's, Is it fairyland? It's called Fairyland, yeah. So right. it's in New South Wales, just west of Nimbin, yeah. um, west of Byron Bay, and it's in a place called Blue Knob. Um, but yeah, they've got black, red, belly, yellow snakes, or whatever you call them, um, oh. dingoes, uh. carpet snakes in the rafts. Oh. In, Big, the, in the rafters? Like up no, in the trees? Raft. The person who I was, well, there's seven oh, of them. in like rafts that go on the water. No, the raft in the kitchen, like, you know, like the wood beams that go across. Oh, oh, what the fuck? Oh, I don't like that at all. Like inside, just like hanging from the rafters. One of the, one of the fairies there was called T Cozy and he said, and he was like, oh, I don't mind if you, if you see a, if you see a, a carpet snake, just fall to the floor one day, it's not going to get you. And I was like, bitch, I'm not going in that motherfucking kitchen again. Me. Oh yeah, I'm so good on that. Like, I don't need that to happen to me. <laughs> in New Zealand, there's no no snakes in New Zealand or non-threatening snakes. And there's oh, yeah. one poisonous type of spider that lives in New Zealand, and it's called a white tail. But it's it's small and it's fine. Right. Yeah, I you know, yeah, I'm good on spiders too. I think that spiders are pretty magical, but I don't just, I don't need to have encounters with them often. No, no, no. Especially not when you're having a shit and there's one in the corner, the mm. size of the plate. No, 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 not happening. No, thank, no, thank you. Um, you Thanks, come you again. Stay <laughs> there while I do my business over here. I'm done in a second. <laughs> Hi, it's me. Sorry to break up the conversation, but I'm stepping into the sponsorship space, wink wink, for a moment to tell you about something extra special, Patreon. Patreon is a membership-based platform for content creators to earn a monthly income while providing rewards and perks to you, our subscribers. I Miss You has two recurring monthly membership levels, starting at $5. So what do I get for that $5, you say? Well, my undying gratitude for one. Isn't that enough? No, it's not enough, come on. You'll get bonus content every other week, including videos by me, Patreon-only posts and updates, and access to the members-only Facebook group, where you can connect with me and other listeners, share stories of reconnecting, oh, and join in on a once-a-month Facebook live chat, where you can ask me questions about the show. Your monthly sponsorship supports producing the podcast, including website and other platform fees. Uh, They really add up. Recording studio rental, editing equipment, and let's be honest, probably some treats for my dog, Najdia. She's hungry. Like all the time. Visit imissyoupodcast.com for a link to our Patreon page. 
And if all that business isn't of interest to you, but you would still like to support the show, you can make a one-time donation through our website as well. Oh, and another way to show support is by sharing our podcast with your dog. Kidding. Sharing this podcast with everyone you know. Seriously, everyone. Now, back to the episode. Have you been have you been relying on the radical fairies? Like what kind of community have been have you been? So I've got my house and my yeah. house have been my community. But um, living alone and stuff to reach out. It's it's been a mixed bag. Um I you know, well, this is well f- speaking of fairies, it's interesting that we're talking about it again because this is actually on this podcast fairies will at least come up twice in conversation because Chris and I were talking about the fairies as well. So, um, you know, fairies really are, I guess, a big community of ours and especially of Chris and a lot of connections, um, between me and other people that I know, but I didn't know of the fairies until I got to LA when I was sort of introduced to them. And then I said, you know, Chris, before I went to a fairy sanctuary, I'd been in LA for a good like seven months, but I was I was with you know a fairy community in LA. But so fairies to me is a very recent phenomenon because I didn't get to LA until 2018. I thought that you'd been to the mountain. No, not until that would it was in 2019. Well, no, wait a minute. No, I got to LA in I'm sorry in 2016, which means my first time at at a sanctuary would have been in Tennessee in 2017. And then I've been there 3 times since because you know of course this pa- this year, well the past year 2020 it was canceled. Um the gathering was canceled. So fairies, the fairy community to me is a recent phenomenon within the past 5 years. Um but it is a sort of chosen family, queer, close queer group of people. And I guess however you choose to be close with it, however you choose to engage, it's certainly up to you. But it is a, it is a pretty tight, close-knit family. Yeah. But where, where I am now in Denver, there isn't um, a fairy community. There are a couple, a few fairies here and there that I've run into at Sanctuary in Tennessee, but um, there's no fairy community here, no regular fairy meetings, no one meeting up. Um, oh, yeah. I no and idea. I, I, it, 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 well, I, I don't know. It's hard to describe. I quit drinking and then I had to renegotiate my ability to be in the world (laughs) is sort of a way to put it. So I quit drinking and then I had to like dry out of that and then like rethink about my way and and rediscover my way of being in social situations because it was a big crutch. Mm. It was a huge crutch because of social anxiety and other things. And just, you know, just, that was my way of being. That was the way of being that I knew was to be drinking around other people. So it was sort of, it was just a part of me. Um, and then once I sort of cleared out of that and I was like, already, I'm like, okay, bitch, I got it now. I want to be social. I want to go out dancing. I got this. It feels good to not be drinking. I feel comfortable in, in situations where there's drinking, like I'm good. And then the pandemic hit. Oh, babe. 
So <laughs> I was like, I, so the pandemic hit, I've seen people here and there. The summer I went back to the East Coast to visit my family for like a month. And then I just visited them again over the holidays for a month. So I've, I've seen friends that I have on the East Coast. But it, I, because I live alone, I have been, I haven't had physical connections as much. And it has, I have gone through periods where it's felt intensely isolating, intensely lonely. And then I had to do some more work on my shit and figure out what the hell is going on there. You know, just, you know, of course, because of the pandemic and being and living alone, but, but also thinking that, well, the loneliness thing is something, there's something more there. It's not just, you know, living alone. There's something else going on there. And then kind of trying to like, you know, pull that apart a bit like Taffy and see what else is going on. If you're lonely, what do you do? Like, how do you? Um, I have found a lot of solace in nature. And a very close... Now, I know this isn't connections with people per se, but I know that historically for me, if I feel down, if if there's a part of me that feels depressed or a part of me that's feeling whatever, if I I go into nature, if I go on a hike, and now, now this is usually I'm better off in places where there is a bit of solitude, it's not like an overly touristed place, I immediately feel connected again. And I feel yeah. better. And that's that's how it's been for me. Now there are, and, and I have a problem too, like reaching out randomly to people, although I stay in text communication with people and there's Facebook Messenger. I mean, and social media. So I don't feel like I'm completely disconnected from the world. I mean, I was talking to someone, I was like, I can't imagine going through this pandemic, <laughs> you know, back when we didn't have social media or didn't have the connections, the tech connections that are available available no. to us right now. And they they did in the past. I mean, when was our, you know, so, but I can't imagine, I can't imagine myself in that now. No. Absolutely not. I, I, I don't know. Actually, I, I'm really curious what what that would be like. I know it would be harder, but I reckon people would do a lot more. Um, like they'd be forced into this like yogi state. They'd be forced into it, or they wouldn't, and they would suffer. Like it would be hard. But I reckon loads of people have been kind of forced into that anyway recently, haven't they? Just with well, it stopped everything. I was thinking about it. A lot of my friends are quite sad at the moment. Or just if they're not sad, then they're stuck. They feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because a lot of the things that used to give them joy and used to kind of give them, you know, meaning has been taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like socializing, going out drinking, going out partying, going out dancing, mm-hmm. or their work, which gives them meaning, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I feel really... Um, I feel, I feel, I, I, until the last few days, I've had a fair fucking good month of just being like, yes, productive. I've done this. I've done this. I've applied for a job and I've got the job and I've done the training for the job and I've, I've applied for this other job. And um, 
and I've got a book coming out and I've got, so mm-hmm. I just, I feel really, really lucky that I've, the, the thing, the, 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 the difference is as well is that it's to do with poetry and it's mm-hmm. to do with creativity, which comes from me. And it's not something that I'm looking outside for. I don't know if that makes, if that sounds a bit. So you wild. said it's coming from within you. Yeah, that sounds really dopey now, doesn't it? Um, well, do, oh, I, well, what do you what do you mean by that? Can you expand? Well, on it's that? coming from a passion. It's a it's a pure passion. I love poetry more than anything, um, and all the work that I've got right now and all the work I've had recently has been to do with poetry, um, and to do with the stuff that I'm you know that allows me to to be creative, mm-hmm. um, so that part of me and the work thing, like the nine to five routine is all being, it's like a, a cross in a, on a map. Like I've, I've, I've found the cross in the map and I've found the treasure. And a lot of people would find, you know, nine to five would be the thing that gave them um, routine okay. and purpose. All right. I think, so you're saying, you're saying that meaning and meaning like is coming no. from within you. So, so is that what, <laughs> rather than getting, rather than feeling, feeling certain things or getting meaning from external experiences per se, like your friends going and drinking and partying and being social, like you're, you're finding. I'm sorry. It's a distraction really. feels like a distraction anyway. Sometimes it can be used as a distraction. But you're, but you're finding comfort in what you're in your own creativity. Creativity and being alone. Yeah. I'm not fucking asked about going and seeing friends. Or that sounds terrible, doesn't it? But I'm not bothered. I'm really not bothered. Like, if I miss my friends, I'll speak to them on the phone. Mm-hmm. If I really miss them, or I'll send them a voice note. I love, I love the voice note thing, because um, I can just ramble. Because I ramble anyway. And yeah. oh, it's like a heart circle. That's you know what I fucking. I was trying to explain this to my friend the other day. How a voice note is kind of like the space that you have in a heart circle, uh-huh. because it in this conversation we're having right now, it's a two-way thing and we're both kind of adding to the source, you know, of, you know, to the, to the product. Uh-huh. But, but when it's a, when it's an uninterrupted flow of just fucking nattering and going for it, sometimes it takes you like two minutes of talking to get to where you actually want to go to. So in a voice note, six, seven minutes, eight long, um, I feel fucking better because I've rambled. And I've got to where I want to go. And also my friends got this meat to chew on now and then send back to me. It's really mm-hmm. therapeutic. You know, I <laughs> I think I may have said this, but I hate, I hate voice I messages. I know you do. You said it. <laughs> I, I hate them. I, well, maybe hate is a strong word, but I, I just don't want to have to like, go through listening to them like i guess maybe it's just it's quicker for me to read a text like to read words rather than having to like like just sit down and have to listen <laughs> I, will, uh, I promise i will take that into consideration i, I do as many voice notes <laughs> yeah maybe that says something about my the way in which i move through the world like i could i could stand to be a little bit more patient and and slow down if you don't like it, you don't like it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've, 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 I've always do say I know what I like and I know what I don't. But yeah, I mean, like, I could stand to be more open to, to other people's modalities of expression. 
Yeah, and if you don't like it, just say, and you've said so. Well, I have said it. You keep sending them to me. So. I shut up. <laughs> well, I like what I like. <laughs> um, oh, cute. I'm wondering, what are you looking forward to in 2021? My book coming out. Oh, yeah. yeah. When does it come out? It comes out in May. It Is it thematic? May. Is there a theme? It is all about childhood sexual abuse. And okay. it is, um, yeah, it's like I'm melting. It's like a melting pot. What did I call it? A polyphonic, polyphonic, mm. multivocal roadkill of multiple different types of writing. So there's, there's, there's lyric in there. There's prose in there. There's, mm. there's journal entries. There's script which is which is new for me um and i was just like traditional poetic form is not doing what i have to say justice uh-huh. like the poetic form traditional poetic form is really fucking meticulous and clean it's got iambic pentameter it's measured it's got four line stanzas or it's got a couplet uh-huh. you know and new poetry is really trying to disembowel the traditional form of poetry and say this, my whatever. So, for instance, so my the nexus of my writing is traumatic and upsetting and confusing, and you know I've got multiple different responses to the trauma I've experienced that are completely in in like like they don't agree with each other. And I was like, how am I supposed to put that in a in a four line stanza poem? Because it's not clean like that. So it needs mm-hmm. to be a combination of all of the different forms. And I'm trying to queer the form right. and I'm doing that with, you know, a sound of that sounds a bit wanky, but. So the I'm form, to- the form in essence is matching the content or the form and the content are sort of having a. Well, the content dialogue. is, the content is so contradictory as well. Cause in one, in one, in one part of it, I'm like, oh, it was rape. And then the next time I'm like, oh, it wasn't rape. It was love. So, and those are two very opposing you know, opposing things. And I was like, but those two opposing opinions or feelings exist in this one body. And I need that one body to be as most, as, as, as I need a form that faithfully, respectfully honors that Mm -hmm. in poet, in poetry. And I was, was it cathartic to write? No, (laughs) Hmm. it wasn't cathartic to write. It, (laughs) It was, um, Someone said to me in class once, they were like, it was, re- it was really fucking good advice. It was really, really good advice. I think it was a risky move to say it, but I think it was really good. She was like, this is not, um, this is not going to heal you. She was like, you need to know that this is not going to give you justice. You need to be at peace with the fact that writing this is not going to give you justice. You need to be at peace with the fact that this is not going to heal you. And I was like, motherfucker. Mm. <laughs> did you but, write it but, in your voice or did you write it like in a persona voice? Um, so the main character is this lamb. So there are multiple voices. All of the voices take on a different... Oh yeah, you said that multivocal. Sorry. Yeah. They take... It's okay. But the multi-voices live in me, right. which I, I don't separate from myself. So there's one voice, which is the pain body, which is the lamb. And that's the physical, the only physical character in the poetry. And that, um, and then the other voices are these 
non non body voices they just come from so it's if it's a stage they've got no there's no one playing them it's just voices and mm. um, voice one voice two voice three voice four voice five and voice six and they are all different responses to the trauma mm. so the first voice is the voice of the child that experienced it the sixth voice is the voice of like myself now my 28 year old self the maternal figure um so one of them is like um oh but he was so handsome just for example and then the sixth one is like um what's the line um <clears throat> Uh, just more, 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 more maternal, but also a little bit like um, making you. Ugh, I'm not really explaining myself very well, but I think I heard you. I'm wondering, um, is it that? Is it maybe each of these voices um, are kind of like are able to deal with certain aspects of the experiences that are going on in the writings um, in ways that some other voices aren't? Yeah. And each voice needs to be separate as well, because the confusion and the frustration comes from voice one and voice six being completely opposing Mm -hmm. and living in me. So I needed to get those two voices separate out on a piece of paper and each make them feel like they've got their own room to speak in because when they're fighting, they don't really get to express themselves because it's a, it's a two-way thing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a conversation or it's an argument. Whereas on one page, each has its own page. They get to express themselves and they get to, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, heal or just like express right. more. I know your friend gave you the advice that this wasn't going to, or said you that this wasn't going to heal you writing this, but um, you must you must sort of find that writing, that creative expression is therapeutic. Like it is your outlet for dealing it's with pretty intense, yeah, intense experiences. It's given me clarity, but I need to, one of the lines in, one of the lines from one of the voices is um, poetry wrote, poetry won't make rape beautiful. So you need to line that because I think that poetry is always kind of on the side, trying to make things pretty, mm-hmm. trying to amplify or trying to persuade or manipulate or like highlight beauty and um, the beauty of all things like good and bad, you know, elegies are beautiful mm-hmm. writing, but the content is not beautiful. Mm-hmm. So the um so yeah it's um it's 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 it was kind of a battle between the six voices the pain body which is me like the combination of all six voices and then this alternative kind of side dialogue which was with poetry itself like capital p poetry like mm-hmm. i remember i remember reading um trying to read in when I was in New Zealand I went to a place called um Milford Sound and it was the most beautiful place that I've ever been in my entire life and I remember trying to read poetry on the back of the coach on the way home from going to see it and being furious with the poetry 
for even daring. Like, how dare you try and make a mountain beautiful? Like, how, like, a mountain doesn't need language to make itself beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, I bet you, I bet you this, this, I, I, obviously I was being facetious, but this, I was like, this writer would probably try and make, you know, a metaphor out of this mountain. I was like, leave the mountain alone. <laughs> it doesn't need poetry. But yeah, I don't know. I just went on a bit of a ramble there. Sorry. Is it already, is your script already to, to the publisher? Mm-hmm. Does yeah. it have a title? Uh, well, it had two titles. One of them was Skin which I think is a bit silly now, S-K-I-N-N. And then the second title, which I'm more happy with now, is Springing from the Pews. Is is Bringing from the Pews? No, Springing from... Springing from the Pews. Springing from the Pews. Um, (laughs) Sorry, the accent. (laughs) No, I don't have a problem understanding your accent. That's good. I think a lot of people... um, Need me to slow down. Well, that's not not to say that I didn't have a problem <laughs> with some Liverpudlian accents when I was over there. There were a couple of times when I was at a pub and um, somebody was drinking and I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> and that's what I'm like as well. Yeah. So yeah, you just... Um, I'm my my accent changes depending on who I'm talking to, really. Um, yeah, it did with you as well because I was like, "This, how is this not gonna get a fucking word of this if I if I speak the way that I normally speak?" So I remember being in the car and being like, "I, I had this." Did you talk slower for me to understand? <laughs> it wasn't just you though; it was like Americans in general. I was like, "Okay, I've got to give them the Scouse American, like the, right. the like the American Scousers." Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. My aunties have got it down because my aunties moved over to LA from Liverpool mm-hmm. and they've got this really like specific Liverpool accent, which I fucking love. They sound really quite, um, what's the word? Um, uh, I don't want to be like, I don't want to say they sound dominant, but they sound like it's got the it's got the it's got the charm of Scouse the, the the Scouse charm, but it's also got the authority of the American accent or the specific um like Santa Monica you know accent um what is it so oh no I don't think or maybe it's just their personalities actually maybe they're just really strong <laughs> I don't I don't think so no and it's it's very that yeah it's it's fab I yeah. love them. do you remember do you remember when you picked me up. And they, you picked me up at like half six in the morning and both my aunties came out to the, to the, to the car. They to check did. You I think you told me they did that because they, <laughs> they were afraid that this random stranger was just taking you on a car. <laughs> I mean. And you would come, didn't want to come back dead. Well, I guess you wouldn't yeah. come back if I murdered you. To be honest, in hindsight, I think if my sister messaged me and she was like, oh, I just met this guy like four days ago. I'm going to get in the car and go to a mountain with him. I'd be like, what the new you're not fucking yeah, doing? Yeah, right. I mean, probably. I yeah. I, I mean, if you would have asked me at a different time, I probably would have said the same thing. <laughs> I just had I the, the fairy kind of bubble of safety was 
or at least maybe it was a bubble of safety that I made up in my head, but um, I I just had very I had very little consideration for my safety for uh, like just in general when I was traveling, um, mm-hmm. and I think doing sex work as well, you um you your boundaries with safety and what is safe and what is quote unquote normal is flexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that changes too, depending on what type of sex work you're doing. Um, you know, because your boundaries are going to be um, different if you're doing virtual only sex work as opposed to yeah. doing in person full service sex work, as opposed to yeah, doing right. more, you know, massage type yeah. sex work. I mean, it's just going to be different, but, but consent never changes. I should say consent. Yeah. It does not. No, it does not. Well, I stopped sex work now. I stopped doing that now. Mm. Mostly because of the pandemic. Um, but I, I don't know when, when the pandemic happened, I was just like, oh, I may as well keep it up. The not, not doing it, not that doing sex work was a bad thing. It was just that I didn't realize how much of a kind of hindrance it was for me, especially towards the end. I just had a bunch of experiences that didn't really, um, I, I, a lot of the time I was like, oh yeah, like it's always, it's always sensual. It's always like, you know, um, it's always, I'm always emotionally invested, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, when I've got, you know, rent to pay, I'm sometimes saying yes to things that I wouldn't say yes to normally. Right. And then there was one guy that didn't pay me. And that really, mm. oh, bitch, I was so, I was so angry. I was so mad. Yeah, that's like, pretty you violating. Mother- you motherfucker, you broke that contract. Like the contract is that I have, se- the, con- the, the consent contract is I give you a massage because you're paying me to do it. I'm going to do it because I love it as well. Like the only reason I can do it is be- is because I love it personally. Mm-hmm. And by not paying me, you've broken that consent. And it just, I, I was like, not another one, <laughs> not another one, not yeah. another person taking advantage, but whatever. It taught me a lesson and I was lucky to not be physically hurt. In- mm-hmm. Well, it's so good seeing you. Yeah, you too, babe. You look gorgeous. Thanks. Yeah, hair looks stunning, and I do love the beard. Thanks. Fit a, fit a little bird in there. <laughs> I don't know if I want birds to be crawling around in my facial forest. <laughs> Although no, it no could bird. be lovely. Maybe just a little nest. Just a little. Well, like you could do um, you could do like some dandelions or something. I could, um, but I'm not that person. No, okay, don't do it with them. <laughs> <laughs> I think when spring comes, I'm going to be the flower child. I'm going to be sticking flowers everywhere I can, everywhere I can put them. I'm going to be braiding dandelions into my hair. Yeah. Daffodils on the window. Flowers are like the window to my fucking heart. I love flowers so much. So, so much. I hope I get some for Valentine's Day. Even if I just go and pick them myself. Yeah, you know, you can always get flowers I yourself. I can them myself. I always um, la- get flowers for my altar. Oh, do you? And do I tend a- to get um, 
Well, different flowers for different things. For me, for my altar, if I'm really feeling into some kind of ancestor devotion, then I'll get white roses. Oh. And then if I'm feeling a little bit more like I want to invite abundance in, I'll have yellow flowers. Yellow roses. Yeah. Yellow roses would suit you. I see you more as a pink. But I. Yeah, I guess I see pink as a very um, specific thing. Um, Inviting kind of love, closeness, like love, skin, hugging. It's a very different, a very different relationship to pink. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's my 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 color of choice. Mm-hmm. Pink. Remember, I bought that pink T-shirt in Portland, and it had the rips in it in the back. I was stabbed in that. I was stabbed in that T-shirt. Oh no! I was stabbed in that T-shirt. I was walking home from a party, and I had the full thing. I had the, the pink, and I had the fishnets, and I had the shoes, and I was walking home, and these lads. Um, my um, and my friend was with me in full geesh, had like the uh-huh. had the with the the mask. Um, this happened and, in Liverpool. Yeah, like two years ago, and cycled past us and were like, "Take off that mask!" And he was like, well, "It's my face. I can't take off the face." So then they stopped and then tried to steal what was in my friend's bag, which was doll. He had doll and a few oranges. He wasn't fucking carrying anything, so I was like, "Oh well, just leave it. Let them have the bag." And then. They took my shoes off me and then said to me, they took my, because I was carrying my shoes because my, my feet were hurting because I'd been dancing. And they were like, um, we've got your shoes now, run. I was like, it's cobbled fucking all the way back to my house, cobbled streets with glass and the thing. I'm not fucking running and you're not telling me what to do. So took the knife. It was only a pen knife. It wasn't a big deal. But yeah, there was two of them and one of them got me in the back. So that lovely pink top, was destroyed. Oh, God, I'm so sorry that happened to you. That's, ugh. No, it's all right. I found it funny. Now I was screaming in the back of the car, in the in the <sighs> back of the ambulance, just howling me head off. I was like, think of the poetry. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I got, I, got off, I got off early. I got off, I got off, I got off with, um, I don't know how I get so lucky in these scenarios, you know, I should not be, um, yeah, yeah, I well, I'm well. You're here to tell about it, which is good. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm gonna be here till the cows come and kill me, which I don't even know what that means, mm-hmm. but surely it'll happen one day. Well, thank you for doing this. It was so nice speaking to you. You too, babe. You too. I'm hoping I see you this summer. You will, if the borders not allow it. Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> you just need to get a camper van and go to Ireland and Scotland. And I think. Well, you know, I've been, I follow Hidden Scotland, which is an Instagram account, and I've never been to Scotland. And I swear these photos of things in Scotland, all I can see are all of the opportunities to do like some film and like bring my sound gear with me and set up like some sound stuff and play by these castles and things. I want to do a lot of that type of sound work with at sites throughout the UK. The, um, the, oh, you want to go to that house, don't you, in Brighton? You want to go to that fella's house, that famous, he wrote loads of books. 
Oh well, yeah, Derek Jarman. Yeah, I'm um, in conversation with Creative Folkstone because they're taking over uh, management of Prospect Cottage, um, and there's a potential opportunity for me to work in conjunction with them, maybe if they consider it, um, to make some sound work in the garden. Stunning, stunning. I told my friends about that. Yeah. But even like, even if. Yeah. even if it doesn't go through with them, I'll probably go anyway and do it <laughs> because I mean, it's just there. Like people are constantly going there, you know, there's no I one living the there. I love the video of you on the beach. Yeah. It looks great. Thanks. Even, even, even without the music, I was just like, you could sit there and just watch this. It's gorgeous. That red, was it a caftan? The red caftan. Are you talking about the one with the um, the copper pipes coming out of the beach? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that I did up in Cape Cod. Um, yeah. I, you know, I had another vision for the for this first the sculpture of those pipes. And then I just knew it wasn't going to work because the wind was so fierce that day. Um, it would have blown the whole fucking thing down the down the beach so i'm like what if i just like put them in here <laughs> i want like put them on an angle and i wound up looking like um like one of those it reminded me of a uh, louise bourgeois spider <laughs> but like the body of the spider was like under the side. oh yeah 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 oh yeah well i thought it looked fab thanks i'm glad that you're doing music okay i'm gonna go and play pokemon all righty well let's chat soon it was good I talking. One for the um, Nintendo Switch, and um, it's yeah. my it's my treat for doing for getting a job, and for for running a five k in under twenty five minutes. Okay, it was gorgeous to see you. Kiss. Do you have any questions, feedback, or want to share a story about reconnecting? You can drop me an email at I miss you podcast at gmail Find and follow the show on Instagram at I miss you podcast. I Miss You is hosted, edited, and produced by me, with lots of help from the universe. This episode was recorded at House of Pod in Denver, Colorado. Our podcast graphic was designed by Ian Sklarski. New episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and show some love with lots of stars. It really helps. If you would like to support I Miss You, as well as get additional content and access to our members-only Facebook group, where you can connect and share with other listeners, consider subscribing to Patreon. You can find a link to Patreon in our Instagram bio or at our website at imissyoupodcast.com. And finally, reach out, connect, and spread the love by telling all of your friends about our show. Till next time, new friend. <laughs>